epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Coming up on our podcast, conversation with Virginia head coach Tony Bennett. They are the number one seed in the ACC tournament. They won the regular season of the ACC yet again. And it just happens that they're playing the ACC tournament in the same building where a year ago they were beaten by UMBC, the first ever 16 over one. And get this, the ACC tournament title game is on March 16th. That's Saturday, the same day a year ago they lost. To UMBC in the same building. We'll see if they can avenge all of that and win the ACC title Saturday night in Charlotte. Also be joined by Kansas State head coach Bruce Weber. What a two-year run it has been for the Wildcats. As Bruce, the much maligned Bruce Weber, but he is a phenomenal guy, high character. We need more of him like more in like him in the game. Well, he's gonna give us an injury update on Dean Wade, very critical to see what happens there. Cardia Giara, let's see what happens with up with him. They got injuries. Get the end of the Big 12, the number one seed. Can they win it in Kansas City? Can they pre- prevent Kansas from winning a, another Big 12 championship in Kansas City? Programming note uh, next Sunday, or this Sunday, excuse me, is Selection Sunday. So our next podcast will be us breaking down the bracket, picking all the games to help you pick out your bracket as we get ready for the first four and the NCAA tournament. March Madness is here. All right, so let me set you up with the conference tournaments this week before I get to our guests. First off, I'm not messing with the A-10 because I think VCU is the only team that's getting in if they win it. Certainly there are others that could win the tournament there, but I'm going VCU. In the American, I don't think there's a bubble. So Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, Temple all getting in. Could another team win it like Wichita? Sure. Um, Mountain West, I think Nevada and Utah State are getting in, so no need to dissect that. So I have selected the other six, and here is what I'm looking at. Let's start with the Big 12 since I mentioned it with uh, Bruce Weber. Baylor-Iowa State is a 4-5 game. Two teams not going in the right direction. Uh, They'll meet in the quarters on Thursday. Big seeding game with that regard. Uh, TCU takes on Oklahoma State. That's a little danger zone for the Horned Frogs. If they get by Oklahoma State, then they'll take on Kansas State. So they need at least, I think, one win, maybe two. Oklahoma, same deal. Got to beat West Virginia in a 7-10 matchup. Then they'll get Texas Tech. You beat them, you'll be fine. But they're on the they're on the bubble. And then Texas taking on Kansas certainly would help Texas if they knocked off Kansas. Who's my pick out of this? I'm going to lean Texas Tech just because I don't know about the Kansas State injuries. That's in Kansas City, the Big 12. All right, Big Ten in Chicago. Indiana on Wednesday will take on Ohio State. Got to win that game. Ohio State, I think, also has to win. 
if they, the winner gets Michigan State. So the winner of that game, if they beat Michigan State, that's really going to help them, I think, get into their dance. The loser is going to be sweating on Selection Sunday. Minnesota-Penn State, dangerous game for Minnesota. I think they're in, but this could hurt seeding. Penn State is a team that could get to the final because if they win that game, they can beat Purdue. They can beat Michigan. So they are an outlier, a bit of a sleeper here. Iowa, seeding really needs to improve after losing four in a row. They're going to take on the winner of Northwestern Illinois. And then if they win that, they take on Michigan. I like the bottom part of the bracket better because Michigan would only have to get by possibly Purdue, whereas Michigan State could face Indiana, who lost twice to Maryland or Wisconsin. So I'm picking Michigan to win the Big Ten tournament. In the ACC, they'll be played in Charlotte. Just mentioned Virginia. They're the one seed. So NC State-Clemson, it's not an elimination game because you can't really say that, but that is the most interesting second-round game on Wednesday. Winner gets Virginia. If you're NC State or Clemson, loser may be out, definitely sweating. Winner, if you beat Virginia, you're in. Bottom part of the bracket, Syracuse taking on the winner, BC and uh, Pitt. Got to win that game, and then if you beat Duke, you're in. I think Syracuse is in regardless, but if there's anyone that has doubts, that would help. You know, Louisville is interesting too. I mean, they got to beat Georgia Tech, Notre Dame winner. And then you take on North Carolina, who they've already beaten. So, you know, they could certainly help their case. My pick is Virginia. Uh, Duke Carolina would have to face each other in a semi. I like the chances of Virginia winning the ACC in Charlotte, avenging. Uh, they won last year in the ACC tournament at Brooklyn, but avenging the site of the last loss. All right. SEC played in Nashville. So Florida taking on Arkansas. Arkansas has been hot lately. Florida's going to win that. Then they take on LSU. Right now, we don't know if Javante's smart or even Will Wade will coach. Uh, let's assume right now they don't have either one. Um, they're the one seed, but they could lose early in this tournament. So Florida, would it, it would behoove them to win a game or two for sure. Alabama trending in the wrong direction. Got to beat Ole Miss in that 7-10 matchup. And then if you get Kentucky, if you beat them, you've already beat them once. That certainly would help you get in. Bottom part of the bracket, Kentucky, Tennessee right now playing for potential one seed. Although I'd say Kentucky has a much better chance. I think Tennessee's got to win the SEC to get that one seed. Interesting note here, South Carolina is a four seed, yet they are far off the bubble. Uh, Behind them, you know, you could argue that Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the 6-7 and seven, or 7-6, seven, are in, uh, whereas Florida and Alabama uh, are better chances in the bubble. And Auburn, by the way, a 5, uh, I still think is in, and South Carolina is not my pick. I'm going with Kentucky. In the Pac-12, played in Las Vegas. So right now, I still think Washington and Arizona State get in. Washington's the 1, Arizona State's the 2. Look out for two teams. UCLA plays Stanford in a 7-10 matchup, then UCLA would get Arizona State. They can win that game. They're still dangerous. The more dangerous team, though, is Oregon, the sixth seed. Uh, they're going to be they're going to play Washington State, got to win that. Then they take on Utah, game they can win. And then if they get to the semis, and let's say they even play Arizona State, they just beat them. Oregon could be playing for a potential AQ on Saturday. They've had now months to deal with not playing with Bobo. So I would look out for, for for Oregon. At the top part of the bracket, you know, who could be Washington? I mean, Colorado could if they get by Cal and Oregon State. 
I don't think USC or Arizona are going to win it. Um, you know, Oregon State's been a little too inconsistent. So my pick is actually Arizona State. I'm going with Arizona State to win the Pac-12 in Las Vegas. And now the Big East, which is by far, I think, the most interesting tournament in New York. St. John's, a couple weeks ago, they were a three seed. Now they're a seven, seven ten matchup. First round on Wednesday. You got to win that. Bottom part of the bracket. If you win that, you take on Marquette, team that they've beaten. You beat Marquette, you'll be fine. Georgetown takes on Seton Hall on a 3-6. So Georgetown, if they beat Seton Hall again, and let's say they take on Marquette or St. John's and win that and get to the final, I think Georgetown's in. Creighton, which has won five in a row, is on the bubble, gets a pretty hot Xavier team, 5-4 game, got to beat them. Then if you end up taking it on Villanova in the semi, which will play the winner of Butler Villanova, uh, Butler Providence, and you beat Villanova if you're Creighton, now you may get in with wins over Xavier Nova to get to the final and not have to win it. A lot can happen in the Big East. My pick, I'm going to go Nova. I'm going to go Nova over Georgetown in the final. We'll see if I'm right on that. All right, a lot to digest there. So let's get to two of the coaches who won their respective leagues. And uh, they do it the right way. Virginia's Tony Bennett and Kansas State's Bruce Weber. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Virginia head coach Tony Bennett, who yet again has won the ACC regular season championship and enters the ACC tournament in Charlotte as the number one seed. Uh, The only losses this season were to Duke, uh, which is nothing to be ashamed of, of course. Um, Tony, uh, you guys have managed the landmines that is consistently the ACC regular season yet again. How is this program consistently winning this league over the course of a two and a half month grind? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I kind of stand in awe of uh, the job our guys have done and the consistency of, of doing it because, you know, the regular season, I guess, growing up in the Midwest and, and my father coaching in the big 10, I've, you always look at the regular season, like you said, two and a half, three months and, and then, you know, now 18 games, it's really a test of over that course of time consistency. And I think a big key to that has been, you know, experienced players and really good players, smart, sound players that have, you know, been for, you know, those times been able to play on the road and, and be successful there and just, um, you know, a lot of good fortune, too. Um, um, we, we've been healthy. And um, again, guys have just different guys this year, different guys at different times have stepped up. You know, it's going to go to 20 games next season. So the grind that the Big Ten <laughs> has gone through is even harder uh, to add two more of those games. You know, the ACC, for whatever reason, it technically anoints its champion uh, of the uh, of the tournament versus the regular season. But, you know, I, I don't think there's a comparison of, you know, three or four days versus two and a half months. How have you guys treated honoring um, the regular season championships? They gave us the trophy if we won it and we cut down the net in front of the crowd. No, it's it's you have to honor that. That's uh, such a significant thing. They're both so highly valued and again it's what in your own mind and heart but the crowd loved it we celebrated in front of the crowd and um and then you go into the acc conference tournament um and you know that's kind of the the one and done situation and that that's a different kind of championship they to me i you know some people say well this is more valuable or that's more valuable they're all significant but as you said when it's for a coach over the course of a long stretch and the consistency 
that's highly valued. And then again, you get into the one and done, which, you know, is obviously the March Madness, the NCAA tournament, and now in uh, the ACC conference tournament, that's different. And, you know, I think before, as I said, I was in the Big Ten, I was in the Pac-10 at the time. I think the ACC has always, that, that conference tournament has been so significant, maybe compared to other conferences for so long, it appears. And so, you know, and stepping into that and seeing the excitement with it, that's another kind of, uh, you know, just another kind of tournament that's really a big deal. Probably, well, I don't know now if it's bigger than other conferences, but at least on the initial stages, in my experiences, it was. So DeAndre Hunter, you know, he didn't play. I mean, you know this, but our listeners may not remember this, that he did not play against UMBC. He was hurt. And because you guys have been so balanced this year, I feel like he's not getting his due because it's almost sometimes so hard to pick, you know, among DeAndre and Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome to say who is most valuable uh, and who could be a player of the year. Take me through maybe each one of those three guys for sure in terms of their impact and their value to this team. Uh, it's been fun to watch those guys evolve in their games. You know, well, you asked about DeAndre first, his He's such a two-way player. His ability to defend multiple positions, um, and we'll find out, you know, soon about, you know, the first team all conference and defensive player of the year and all that stuff. So I'm hoping, you know, all those guys will will receive recognition. But DeAndre is a two-way player, and again, guarding multiple positions, one really through four, he's done a heck of a job. And then um, offensively, he's. We'll play him sometimes as a, a four or a big guard, and then sometimes he'll play more on the perimeter. But um, he, he's really good with his jab game, jab shot, one dribble, post-ups. He's shooting the three well and just showing that versatility. He has such a big upside. And, you know, 6'8", 6'7", with a very long wingspan. Um, his game has just continued to improve. So he gives you a dimension that where he can manufacture some shots at times, too. That has been really important. And then, um, you know, Kyle Guy, has, is just continuing to improve, you know, at six, two or three and, and maybe 175. You know, you look at him, you say, well, he doesn't look, you know, like so physical, but he just has a way to impact the game with his ability to move without the ball, catch and shoot, his quick release. And I think he's deceptive in other areas where he can get to the, to the lane, play off the bounce and do some things and just continue to improve make big shots at big times has been so impressive. And then again, Ty Jerome is, is a fierce competitor who's a big point guard who, uh, again, impacts the games. They're, they're just smart and skilled, and he's continued to improve. And he really had a terrific game against Louisville for us to win, you know, that, that regular season championship on Saturday. So Ty is can pass, shoot the ball from deep, and, um, you know, it's six four or 5 point guard, which is hard to come by. So I know you're not superstitious, at least I don't think you are, and it's just a weird coincidence that this is the same building where the UMBC lost happened a year ago. We talked about this at Media Day, and it's a completely different team, but do you think any of that will enter any players' minds when they enter the Coliseum uh, this week that uh, this is a place where, you know, they had they had a disappointing defeat, and now we can sort of avenge that and hey let's get that ACC championship in the same floor you know I, human nature I, I'm sure you'll think about it I, we uh, Kyle and I and um, and Jack Salt we were there for the ACC media day and all that so we were there but that is like we've talked about Andy we've tried to grow from it we it's part of our story we've we've kind of owned that game and what's all happening it'll be there 
and you know, it's now it's kind of time to press on. There's not a whole lot more you can say about it, but when you walk in, of course, you have memories in your mind um, and certain things you'll see and, and that probably will be the case, but you get to what's next and you press on. And I think that's, that's the best you can do with it. And um, again, like I said, that was, uh, you know, painful, after such a great year, but didn't define us. And I even told our guys after we won the ACC championship this year, this is great, but this doesn't define you. <laughs> Both ends of it. It's what you do. There's a joy in pursuing it, but it's not your identity. And I think the sooner you can come to that understanding, you know, in some ways, the freer you can be to, to go after it and um, be as good as you can. Yeah, I've talked to Mark Few a lot about this, that they've had so many great regular seasons and they got to the championship game two years ago. But before that, you know, there's all this, oh, they can't get to a Final Four. And, and that should never define their program because what he's done at Gonzaga, what you've done at Virginia, what you even did at Washington State, you know, is very difficult to duplicate. All right, a couple of quick things here before I let you go. Um, North Carolina, their only loss in the last month, it seems like, um, or time they didn't look as you know good as they're playing was against you guys. What were you able to do against Carolina to slow them down that others have not been able to do? Well, we played really well. I mean, they're they're so potent. They really are. And and Coach Williams and those guys have have played at a high level. There's Kyle Guy made some big shots down the stretch. We we got off to a great start. You know, I remember we played Duke on Saturday and got beat at our place, and then we had to turn around and play them on a Monday. And we just came in ready to play and knew how challenging it would be. And our guys were really ready and right. And we got off to a great start. And then they came after us and in on a big run. And then we answered and, you know, we were, you have to be good in all areas against them. We were good in our pretty good, I should say in our transition defense and made them make tough shots. And then offensively, we took care of the ball and we executed and we, you know, ran efficient, good offense. And it was all of that. And they're just monsters on the glass, you know, they're offensive rebound hard. So you have to, you got to be really good in all those areas. And, um, you know, we, we came out with one. If I recall in that game, Cam Johnson rolled his ankle at some point. So he was out for a stretch and, you know, all those things come into play, but it was a high level game for us. And um, again, yeah, you know, those, everybody in our league has that ability, you know, Clemson played them close their last or one of their last games. And so it's just a, we always talk about that margin for error. It's, it's never as wide as people think you got to be good against everyone, but they're, they're high level. And Duke, with or without Zion Williamson, obviously, uh, they're very difficult to beat. Um, how do you assess the way you guys dealt with them and not able to, to beat them in either one of those games? Sure. First game we played them at Cameron Indoor, uh, they played without Trey Jones, and he's such an important piece. And, you know, we, we had a hard time keeping them out of the lane and stopping them. And um, it was just, a, you know, a, a hard-fought game. We ended up losing by a couple um, and that was without Trey Jones. And then when they came to our place, I thought we actually played well. We we did a better job defensively. Um, they got off to a great start, and we couldn't quite gain you know momentum on them. It was a fairly fairly close game um, for stretches. I think it was you know two possession game for a while, but uh, they were terrific from the three point line. I think they made thirteen of twenty one. And you saw their potency, you know, their ability with all those players. And Duke is very good defensively. You know, I don't know if they get enough credit for how hard they're defending. And, of course, they have the playmaking ability. So high-powered, obviously great coach teams, all those things. So 
Very capable. Um, there's, like I said, a lot of those teams in our league. All right, Tony, if you're playing on Saturday night for the ACC championship, what must go well for Virginia? Well, uh, I think how I answered that question you, know, you asked about how we played well at North Carolina. You know, in all areas, you're, you're purposeful. You don't have to be perfect or great but you got to be really good and solid in, in almost all facets of the game. And, you know, I've been telling our team, you know, the last few games, we're in 40-minute territory. You know, you, you just have to play that well for the majority of the game. Again, not perfect, but good in, in the key areas, which you can't say, well, we're just going to be good in this area. It's a consistent approach that has, you know, bode well for us. And, again, will certainly for us to be there on Saturday where you said you might show up, and grace us with uh, your appearance. Well, we'll I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to do that to show up so we can be there when you're there. <laughs> I appreciate it, Tony. I hope to see you Saturday night in Charlotte. That sounds great. See you, Andy. Up next here on March Madness 365, my conversation with Kansas State head coach Bruce Weber. And join me now on March Madness 365, Kansas State head coach Bruce Weber and uh, the Kansas State Wildcats tied with Texas Tech for the top of the Big 12, both 14 and 4. Overall, and they deny Kansas their 15th straight Big 12 regular season title. It has been quite a basically year run for K-State. A year ago, they're in the Elite Eight. This year, dealing with some injuries again to Dean Wade, and yet they are standing atop the Big 12 with Texas Tech. Bruce, I I I loved your just sheer joy uh, on Saturday when you guys won at home and just celebrating this. I mean, you've had so much great success You've been to a national championship game. Where do you put this Big 12 championship in your uh, sort of, uh, you know, history books of what you've accomplished in your career? Well, obviously, to get to a national championship game, to win that uh, that Elite Eight game, get to the Final Four is a, a really, really special moment. But for for this group, uh, what we went through to Dean Wade being hurt, Cam Stokes, bronchitis, pneumonia, Sinus infections, migraines, we've had it all this year. For them to be so resilient and stay focused and to, you know, and, and really everyone, you, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And that means can't, not let Kansas win it. Uh, it was pretty rewarding. And for the, these three seniors, they have kind of started over our program as freshmen. They took their lumps and they've been very, very coachable, very, very cut in. And, and I just, you couldn't be prouder of them. And then to be able to celebrate with them with a championship it, it it definitely is up there with some of our special moments look i don't mind saying this publicly you know how i feel about you bruce and i'm just so thrilled for you to see success in this era of uh, what we're going through in the game with the fbi investigation and things that are happening you are uh of high character great ethics and uh it's just great to see you experience this kind of success uh, now sort of uh, the Bruce Weber 2.0 here at Kansas State. So I just want to get that out there because that's the way I feel, and I've always felt that you know that about you. I appreciate that. And, and you know, the big thing, we got a great staff. I, I really believe if some athletic directors are out there, I, I know I got turned down many times through the years, but, you know, you, you, we got coaches that can coach. We got players that are bought in, and that definitely makes a difference. And, you know, and, and I'm happy for my success, but I'm even more happy for these guys, what they've done, and our staff, how committed they've been to K-State basketball. So in terms of this Big 12 race, I mean, since you've been in this league, you know how hard it is 
to, to get past Kansas. You get the win over them, uh, but they still came charging back despite all their injuries and issues where they basically had to sort of reconfigure their front court. How tough was it to win this league, to get 14 games, to be there right next to Texas Tech, and to be that number one seed heading into Kansas City? Well, the last two years, it's to me, it's been the best balance that I've ever been part of. I've done this 40 years. I was in the Big Ten for 27 years, Purdue 18 and Illinois 9, and I saw some pretty good years. But now with the mega conferences, I was on with Coach K on his show the other day, and, you know, he talked about 15 teams in this league and 14, but to play that double round robin, to play everybody on the road, it is a grind. And last year, you know, I, I thought one through 10, it was the best I've ever been part of. This year, the, I think it's not quite as good, but the balance is still there. And our bottom teams are beating our top teams. And, and that happened last year, happened this year. And it, it, it just makes it so tough. So, so it's, it's a true marathon to go through this grind of a 10-team league and to know you have to, you have to play each team home and away. It wears you down, but I, I think we won. Texas Tech won because we have experience. And that, that's a big, big asset as you get deep into the season. All right, so you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. You don't have to worry about that. Now you're working on seeding and obviously trying to win a championship in Kansas City. Um, you're going to play the winner of TCU-Oklahoma State on Thursday in the quarterfinals. If it ends up being TCU, that's going to be a team that, that needs a win. Um, you've been on both sides of this. Now that you're the team that you know is going to be in versus a potential team that is desperate and hungry, how do you look at both sides of that when you get into a conference tournament, You know when you, when you know – that you're going to be in the NCAA tournament versus a team that desperately needs another high-profile win that's coming at you? Well, I think the big thing is, you know, for our guys, it's our seniors, it's the last time to play in a Big 12 tournament. When you're at your college basketball player, you only get four opportunities. So, you know, we had a shining moment the other day, but there's a lot more to come, and that's what I've emphasized to them. We've talked about a mission all season. We, You know, we had everybody back. We went to the Elite Eight, won 25 games last year. We knew we were going to be good but we wanted to be committed to do, being better. We talked about from the beginning, pursuit of better. And that means, you know, last year we beat TCU in the first round, and then we ended up losing. So can we take another step? We took another step in the regular season. Now can we do that in the tournament? And and we're, we're hopefully getting Cartier Jara back. Let him play some minutes. That'll help us prepare for, the, for next week for the NCAA tournament. All right, so you answered one of my questions on Cartier's situation. What about Dean Wade? Because he's been you know, dealing with these, this foot injury on and off. Uh, what's his status, you think, for this game against either TCU or Oklahoma State on Thursday? Well, he, he hurt his foot in the first half. Oklahoma, he went in at halftime. They examined it. Examined it. He felt okay. I think he had so much adrenaline. I, I don't know if you saw the reverse dunk he did. But, I mean, that's not a normal college basketball player move. He did it. It was just like unbelievable. I've never seen that. He played at a high level. He had so much adrenaline. And then after the game, his said, coach, my foot's really sore. And so, you know, it's, it's probably questionable for this weekend. We just got to wait and see what happens. I'm worried about his health for the future, and that's the biggest thing. You know, he didn't get to play in the NCAA last year. I want to give him every chance to have that opportunity to play. So how has this team been able to withstand these kind of injuries? Uh, you know, I kind of look at the way Michigan State has done it without Lankford and Josh Lankford and Nick Ward. It, there's a parallel here because you've had to win games and still win your league without relying on a couple of guys, you know, in a number of key games that are projected starters that are high producers. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's that experience. It's, we've been through it. We've dealt with adversity. You know, last week, Cam Stokes, our point guard, he's been unbelievable. The last, last four or five games to finish the season, you know, he's had two season-ending injuries, about four years, and, and junior year. And, and, you know, so we've been through this adversity. We've been through the disappointment. We had it early in the season. We didn't have Stokes or Dean Wade for part of that stretch. And then we didn't have Jar. So they, they can... Uh, they just know next man up. We got to take it to another level. Um, you know, somebody else has to step up. Uh, I think they're they're poised, and I think defense gives us. I know defense gives us a chance. We're one of the best defensive teams in the country. We did it in the in the NCAA tournament last year, and hopefully uh, we can continue to do that. I I still go back to the Super Bowl, the offensive guru, juggernaut, the Rams. What wanted in the end? The old school Patriots do the right things, play the right way, fight your butts off on defense, and find a way to win. Bruce, before I let you go, I was at the Big Ten. Um, I was with Purdue when they clinched their share of the Big Ten regular season title on Saturday uh, against uh, Northwestern. They go into the Big Ten tournament as the two seed. They share the title with Michigan State. And when I interviewed Matt Painter after the game, you know, when I talked about the the, the culture of winning at Purdue. He didn't just mention Gene Cady. He mentioned you as well. Um, so your, your, your footprint, your handprint is over that. Tell me, what, what do you see from afar, what Matt's been able to do at Purdue that um, continues the legacy of what Gene Cady and to some extent, obviously, you, um, you know, were, were, were able to build um, and basically, you know, teach and mentor someone like Matt Painter that he's been able to carry on through? Yeah, you know, I'm just so proud of Matt and so happy for him. And I love Purdue. I was there 18 years. At that time, it was half my life or whatever. So, you know, it was a place very special. Obviously, Coach Cage given us a chance. But he taught us all, and, and Matt was part of it. I recruited Matt, coached him. Uh, he was my assistant and, you know, helped their success at Southern Illinois. Uh, you know, it, you know, Coach Cage, he always kept it very simple. Uh, he would say, go to class, be on time, and do your and and those are pretty simple things, but it encompasses everything in life. If you have a job, you got to be on time. You got to be responsible. If you want, you come to school to get a degree. You got to go to class to do that. That's part of the responsibility. And then do your best. It's so many things. Uh, you know, it, it means taking care of your body. It means preparing. It means you know playing your butts off on the court. Uh, so many things that that are are all kind of encompassed in that. And we've, we've kind of carried that over to here. Uh, we talk all the time, act right, treat people right, and play the game the right way, and you'll leave a legacy. And, and you know, that, that whole motto, that foundation has been really the key to produce success, Matt's success, Gonzo Martin, whoever's been through it, Link Garner, all the guys, we're just proud of them and proud to be part of their life. And it's always great to see their success. Well, Bruce, congratulations on a remarkable regular season, sharing the Big 12 regular season title with Texas Tech. Number one seed heading into Kansas City. We'll see how you fare this week, and then obviously into the NCAA tournament next week. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you do for the game, Andy, and uh, looking forward to March Madness. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can get our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, on iTunes and on all our social media apps, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, at NCAA.com and March Madness. Well, there's a lot on tap this week. We will talk to you next week where we will break down the bracket and pick the 
NCAA tournament. So next time you'll hear from us, you will have a bracket in hand and we will break it down. Thanks for listening. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.